For a couple of years, around 2014, and maybe foolishly so, I got into the habit of buying too many video games. Back then, I had recently bought a Wii U, the first home console I've had since the GameCube, and I liked it so much that I wanted to play as many games on it as possible. And then I decided to get a full Wii U set, and on top of that, I must admit, I was an amiibo junkie. All of this has left me with much regret and a few storage boxes full of amiibos and games. But at the time, it was fun. And also, now that I think of it, it might be one of the main reasons why Bonus Barrel exists. One Friday, in late January, after work, I joined a couple of friends on a game hunt. I remember it was dark, the streets were slushy, but that didn't stop our little expedition to the different shops we visited that day. After the hunt and our quest had bore its fruits, we headed back to my apartment and we had a nice pizza supper and hanged out rather pleasantly. On that same evening, we also set up a laptop over the dining table, we opened Audacity, hit record and just talk about the games we got that evening, among other nonsense. I can't really say that it was our intention to record a podcast, but what I can say is that that evening we were just three friends, having a good time, and that whatever happened then was the start of this podcast you're now listening. Three years later, Rob remains on the hunt, I'm a recovering amiibo junkie, and the other one on that evening, well, we will find out this episode, where Marshall and I talk about life, work, and games. I'm Seiji, and this is Bonus, Bonus Barrel, Episode 8. First gaming memories. First gaming memories? Yes. Oh geez, it would probably be like... PC, old school, like early 90s PC, like Duke Nukem, side scrollers, some of those. Some of those, some of them, I can't even remember the names of them. Uh-huh. But it was like, those are my first gaming memories. My brother had a, an old crappy PC. I think it's, it was probably Duke Nukem, like the first side scroller Duke Nukem. And there are a couple of other side scroller games like that that I played around that time. I feel like one was called like Cosmo or something like that. And uh, so, anyway, those are. Those would be my first. Really? No, it's, it's not the Nintendo or anything like that. It's on PC. It's it's funny. A thing about me, I didn't grow up playing console games at all. I a little bit of PC stuff because my brother was into it, and I, you know, was like a six-year-old kid or seven-year-old, and I was like, you know, amazed by these games. But yeah, those were those were the first ones. I kind of, for whatever reason, I think I got more into like. As a kid, more into like toys and action figures and mm-hmm. and cartoons and comic books and things like that. And I didn't come back around to gaming until like Nintendo 64 and my friends had a, an N64. And that's what kind of got me to to really get back into it. I think we, we talked about this before. I, I think so, yeah. You say you don't have like nostalgia for the old Mario games and stuff like that, I think. I mean, I do a tiny bit just because I've played them. I think growing up, we might have had like a Nintendo or maybe my brother had a Nintendo or or, or whatever. Like we definitely, and, and a Super Nintendo, we definitely had those around. 
but for whatever reason they weren't like a like a thing that i was drawn to at at the time i think like i have memories of kind of watching people play them a little bit and maybe playing a little bit myself but but yeah i i didn't really i kind of skipped those like those two basically two generations of like gaming Mm-hmm. And that bef- before I really, really got back into them. But I was into gaming quite a bit when I was really young, when when like PC Duke Nukem had first come out and stuff. I'm not sure what year that came out. And what about uh, when you were in school? Like, were the other kids into like consoles or PC games? or Like, what, what, um, where, where did you fit in that ecosystem? I don't know, really. I was more of like a, do you mean like elementary, junior high? Like, do you mean well, a you time... Know, Growing up, did you talk about games with your friends and stuff like that? Honestly, my friends didn't, I didn't have that many. I had a few friends who were big into gaming and they helped kind of get me into them. Uh-huh. But after that, I didn't really, once I kind of hit like junior high and, and high school, my friends, like the crowd I got around with didn't really like games. Oh, I see. Like, honestly, gaming for me in junior high and high school was kind of like a, nerdy like thing that i didn't really talk to friends about that much but you did and it, it like home. i did it at home yeah oh, i just my I friends see. didn't my friends kind of like looked at it like i might talk i shouldn't say that I did, the odd friends would would kind of get into the odd thing with me but but for the most part it was something that like i just kind of did on my own and i can even remember like in high school like skipping a day of school because metal gear solid 3 came out and like people being like what like what are you doing You know what I mean? Like it was just, uh, I don't know. It, it didn't really, it was something I kind of held on to on my own while, while my friends were much more like just social and, and wanting to kind of get out. And I can remember like staying home on weekends because I wanted to play a game and my friends being like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, come, come out and hang with us. So I wasn't as into games in junior high and high school. Yeah. But, but I came back into them like hardcore after that. Y- Sorry, your friends, uh, what were they into? Honestly, just like, yeah, music, hanging around, like, you know, that was when when you discovered drinking and, oh, and socializing and partying and, you know, things like that. <laughs> so it was just, you know, it was like high school and, and junior high. But but yeah, it was I kind of just like I held on to gaming as like a backseat kind of thing to my life. And then you say you, you came back to it like hardcore. Like when when did that happen? After high school, I would say, like I was still, I still enjoyed games a lot during high school, but afterwards, it just, I don't know, it came back full force and went to school for games a bit, and like, I don't know, it just around, I guess around that after graduation, it would just uh, came back in in full force, and I mean, I think, I think gaming just got, like, it seemed to me to get a lot more popular around that time, anyway. Did this inform some of your other pursuits in life, like I don't know, school or jobs or whatever? Well, definitely, it definitely got me interested in like, yeah, pursuing a game related job once I realized that that was like a potential option. Uh-huh. I, yeah, it definitely, it, I do. For the longest time, I thought that that wasn't a thing that was even like realistic. You know what I mean? I thought in my head, I thought of games like working in games as like working on movies. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like it was something that was just so far outside of my reality that it was, you know. It, but it definitely once I heard of potential options and, and school and stuff, it motivated me to kind of try and pursue a, a career in that. So all of a sudden, you know, the option opens up at school, maybe like a course or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. At a college. Uh huh. And this is yeah. in art, right? Yeah. And w- were you always drawing? Because we, we haven't talked about this. Uh, I drew a lot as a kid mm-hmm. and then stopped probably somewhere like 
I don't know, early junior high, once I started like being more social and, and hanging out with friends and things like that. And then it just, it just came back around once that, once I heard of like a course, like an art course, mm-hmm. it just, and that's what, like knowing about the course was got, what got me motivated to start drawing and, and things again. And what was it about? It was animation or, or what was it? It was, it was kind of a general, like all game related kind of course, uh, animation, uh, life drawing, uh, uh-huh. 3d, like all, all, it was kind of like a crash course on a lot of different areas of, of game development, Mo- all art related though. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the industry? Uh, well, from there, it's a funny story because when I when I graduated the course, there was like a little a game garage thing where we got to work on a game for uh, three months and get paid for it. It was like a little opportunity for for some graduates if and you could put together a team and they chose kind of what teams. So and there were two of us, so we did that for the summer, and then after that, I just wanted to. After that, I kind of felt like. Oh my God, I have so much to learn, like when it comes to like, like game art and things like that. So I just wanted to take time to, uh, practice at that and get better. And then a job just kind of fell into my hands. Like a few months later, I got called for a testing position because somebody I knew left the job or, or something like that. And they gave my name and I was like, they were at a, it was a weird, I don't really know how it happened, but I got called randomly once and was like, yeah, sure. I'll be there. And kind of the rest is history. But I did two years in testing and then like four or five years in, in, uh, on, on an art team. So it was around 10 years just in that kind of field. And before you, you started doing actual dev, um, mm-hmm. what changed in your, uh, perspective? I think, like I said, I going into it, I had a lot of expectations of like, you know, you think of like what they make like movies and things like that. Like to me, it's, it's a very like foreign concept of like working on a, move for like a movie studio especially like one with like a lot of special effects or whatever and it's still like a foreign concept but at the time i i equated games and and movies in the same kind of thing like oh that's magic people make in like some crazy like high up industry you know what i mean like and then i guess just slowly over time it just started on like even when i was going to school for it it still didn't seem like a possible like path for me but um but i guess slowly over time it just started becoming more like reasonable and just logistical about like oh this is just like anything else you just slowly start to learn and and build upon it and i i don't know if i had really any expectations other than like i don't know what to expect like this is crazy stuff you know <laughs> and if you had to explain a non-dev um how it is to make a game to mm-hmm. you, how would you explain that i would just say that it's like it's like a lot of other things where you just get a group of people together and and like kind of get your plan together what you're going to have to do to like there's going to be a lot of research involved but like what you're going to have to do to like slowly start to develop that and get everybody in their in their right places it's i don't know what it is to be honest art as a discipline is really challenging to me uh, in an art role it's such an individual thing right Mm -hmm. and i don't I don't think about it as like a zoomed out, like, oh, like, here's how the whole thing works. But, but I would just say, you know, it's, it's a team of people. Everybody has their role and constant communication and reevaluation, like, and it, you know, it's going to go slow and there's going to be rocky points and things like that. But yeah. what are some of the highlights about game dev? Something about it that I enjoyed? Yeah. 
I would just say in general, being able to kind of bury your head into like a task and see it through yourself and see it in, in a game. To me, that was, a, that was a huge thing when I was working on a game and was able to see artwork I created in that game once that game was already in people's hands, like on their phone. That was, I can remember like the day that happened, I went out and like just celebrated a little bit, not like hardcore, but just like, I was like, oh, I'm going to go out for a drink. Like the first thing I made is like in a game, you know, I would just say that in general was, was a big source of, of satisfaction for me and just something I, I look back fondly on. And you and I worked uh, on the same project side by side. So, uh, so some of the things that are different from uh, to me when I was not working in the industry and then now that I'm working in it is that I thought of games in, in a very idea or concept-based framework. This is how I see a lot of gamers talk about games. Very mm -hmm. high-level concept kind of thing. Right. Yep. But there's a layer of implementation or, or not even the implementation, but the planning of it, right? Right. You know, knowing well, I... what you can do, how much time you have, the amount of resources it's going to take and all that kind of stuff. And then it starts to solidify into an actual plan. And there, we do a lot of planning in, in game dev because designers can go crazy and they shouldn't, but sometimes they do or, or, sure. or higher ups, they get crazy with the ideas. And when it, when it comes to the floor, it's like, well, we cannot do that, but we can do it we can do this instead of, and there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of disciplines there's art and then there's there's design there's uh engineering it's like a community right like it's 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 basically like someone coming down and and asking a community what do you think of all these new like laws that we're going to implement that is going to like change all of your day-to-day -day, yeah you know so, what you're doing and and then getting everyone to kind of chime in on that right oh. And then it goes through an approval process, and there's there's much iteration. So I think that what you're what you're mentioning, to me, the satisfaction was like having an idea in your mind, going through the grind of everything that is the process, and in the end, watching a character do or say something that you yeah that well, you helped kind of form that yeah that idea. Some people take will take more credit. Uh, than others but in reality every time you see a character do something in a game let's say you know they say a line yeah everyone is involved right everyone mm -hmm. in the organization is involved there's a either either they have to think about it or approve it or test it or make it or draw it or write it mm -hmm. there's a lot of effort into just you know anything that happens in a game right right well it's it's the evaluation of it it's the planning the trial and error the testing all of that stuff right like I think it seems like what you're getting at is, is you know, people will think of games as, as uh, oh, it's just like, why don't they do this? They're not taking into account how much is involved with just such a little, like, you know, how come my character doesn't do this or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. then there's a time, right? It takes a year, two years, three years yeah. To, <laughs> yeah. to make a yeah. game. So even if you think that something is a good idea right now, in two or three years, when you actually you know, put it out in the market, it, it might not be such a good idea anymore, right? For sure. It's interesting. I would like to start with a little bit of an association game. I'll say a word, 
it's a concept. Okay. And then your answer to be the first game that comes to mind or that, that you associate with this word. Is that okay? Okay. So, yeah, sounds fun. The first word is home. Home? Uh, the first, I mean, this is easy, but the first game that came to mind was Gone Home. Perfect. <laughs> uh, family. <laughs> oh, I, the, I mean, the Gone Home popped in my mind again because it's about a family. Cool. Um, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, friendship. Uh, life is strange. Life is strange. Interesting choice. Um, joy. Joy. Uh, Mario Odyssey. <laughs> nice. Sadness. Oh, geez. Uh, the Last Guardian. The Last Guardian. Uh, love. Love? Uh, Gone Home popped in my mind again, but just for the sake of not repeating myself, um, I'll just say uh, the original Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a forced answer. I kind of looked for it. Yeah. Uh, hate. Hate. Ooh. The Last of Us. Okay. Nostalgia. Uh Nostalgia. Ooh, Mario Odyssey again. Cool. Really? Okay. Um, hope. Hope? Yeah. Ooh, hope. Uh, that's a tough... Uh, I would say maybe Enslaved? Enslaved. Yeah, if you've heard of that one. No, what is it for? Enslaved, Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Odyssey uh, to it's the for PS, PS3 and, and PC and Xbox and stuff, I think. Um, future. Future. Uh, Detroit. Detroit Become Human. And the last word is best. Best. Uh, Zelda. Which one? Oh, which one? I mean, I would say the entire series, just, but uh, probably Ocarina of Time. Nice. That's it. <laughs> That's it for the first. Okay. For the first dynamic. Cool. It's interesting. Now I'm going to have, I was already uh, very interested in Gone Home, but now I'm even more interested. I mean, oh, it, really? it hit a lot of notes for you, right? Well, yeah. It just, I think it was just honestly the the word home. It just made me think of Gone Home. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a great game. I'd be curious what you think of it because it definitely is one of those like indie walking simulators where you're not doing a ton of gameplay. You're just kind of taking in a story. But th those are some of my favorite kind of games. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of good things about uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Ooh, I love that one. I haven't played it, but I've heard really good things. And I've I've heard that it's very similar to Gun Home and also to um, uh, the other games of Walking Simulator. And I did play that. Uh, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter? No, no, no. Something about... That's another really good one in the same vein as those. Dear Esther? Is that a name of oh, the game? Oh, yep. Yeah. Dear Esther, I had mixed feelings about. Uh -huh. It didn't like hit the same notes that I that I would hope maybe it would, but uh, I still did play through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like games that um, that don't change their tone too much. Mm -hmm. And I, I have mentioned cutscenes a lot, and I think that to me any kind of, of cutscene really changes the tone in the in, at the interaction level. But okay, in, yeah. in a game like Dear Esther, which was a walking simulator, and you might think there's not a lot of gameplay there, but because yeah. it's always the same, then mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? Totally. What I didn't like about Dear Esther yeah. is each time, what I learned about it as I played, I think I read a little afterwards. Um, so you play through and it's this island and you're learning stuff about what happened there. Um, but I'm pretty sure you start to hear kind of uh, little voice journals uh, from di from different people. And 
what is weird about it is they either I think they're random. So when you play through it, the first time you play it, you don't really get a sense of the story, or at least I didn't, and or at least a clear sense. And you, I think you're meant to kind of play through it a few times to kind of piece it together, which which I can appreciate that about it. I want to be able to play it, have a playthrough of it, and if that if that's where I want to stop, mm-hmm. then I kind of got a, a clear sense of of the overall story and and kind of what the what the developers were trying to kind of tell or or say with it so that's that's an interesting one i played that a few years later on when it came to ps4 so it was a little bit uh dated i guess Mm -hmm. it it was kind of one of the first of those right the the walking simulators yeah but i'll give you a thought so i think in the past there were much much fewer games right let's say when we were kids Mm -hmm. so a lot of the games not only could get away with repetition-based mechanics, but also they mm-hmm. also had to be like that because you would get a game, I mean, twice a year, right? Or something like that. Yeah. So that game that you got was very expensive and there were not a lot of games, so it had to last for a long time. So I remember when I was a kid and, and, and growing up, I would play like the same games again and again and again yeah. and again and again. And sometimes even if they weren't your favorite game, you still... I mean, that was an investment, right? So you still wanted wanted to kind of see it through. It wasn't, you know, now if you if you pick up a game, it's much more, you know, ah, you know, I played the first couple of hours and I didn't, it didn't really click with me. So you move on to something else. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Where when you're a kid, that's, you know, that's your game for six months or however long it is. Yeah. So games nowadays, they have to be able to, to give you like a really full experience on your first playthrough because you're probably not going to pick it up again. There's a good chance, yeah. There's a good chance you're going to be distracted by something else, right? Yeah. Once yeah. you've kind of saw the credits. Yeah, in mobile is different, but that's because of the form factor, I think. And handhelds can get away with, with some of those aspects because you can uh, take it with you. And I think a lot of people just spend a lot of time away from their TVs now, or less so than in the past. So, yep, definitely, and especially with the Switch now. Exactly, that's what I was going to. Like now you have the <laughs> Switch, and yep. I found myself playing, you know, Breath of the Wild or Odyssey a lot off TV. Not because I, I mean, I always prefer to be in front of the TV, but you don't always have the time, right? Yeah, I have, I have some interesting kind of thoughts. At least for my, they're interesting to me about the whole house, how the Switch works, and mm-hmm. and I don't know if you want to want to go there yet. Let's do it. I know you. Um, but yeah, the switch is an interesting one for me because I still prefer to play and get that full console experience. If, you know, I have the option, I'm going to put in headphones and kind of try and drown out everything else around me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's, if it's a horror game, I'm going to turn out the lights. If it's, you know, I'm just going to try and really immerse myself in that game. And with the switch, I never, this is, don't, don't judge me too harshly, but I haven't finished Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. I, I put the game down, uh, when it came out. I, I fear I might have kind of messed up with how I started that game because, um, I picked it up for the Wii U originally. So, and I played about 15 hours or so on the Wii U and ended up putting it down. At the time, I got overwhelmed with open world games and moved on to short games. And I, all the open world games I was playing at the time, I kind of pushed to the side 
and I just said, I just want to play short things. Like I want to play something I can finish in a night or like a night or two. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting. So with the with the Switch, Breath of the Wilds, from what I've heard, how many hours people have put into that, it's really a game that seems kind of built to play on the go a little bit. Like, Absolutely, yeah. So I kind of, in, I'm in a weird spot with that where it's been on my, like on the back burner for now. And I've been waiting to go back to the Wii U playthrough because I want to see that playthrough through. And, but, but I'm like, I'm in also in the spot where since then, since I got it for the Wii U, I've also bought a Switch and played the hell out of Mario Odyssey. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I just bite the bullet and pick it up for, for the Switch or should I, should I return to my, my Wii U playthrough? I don't know. I wish you could just transfer the save file or whatever. There was one thing I just wanted to mention that I thought of earlier mm-hmm. about what you were talking about. It was something to do with the cutscene to gameplay transition. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to mention because it's recent, but I just finished God of War, the new one. And there's a technique, they, a camera technique they use in in this one where it's just one shot. You know, you know some of what? Who's the director of Gravity? Cuaron. I can't think of his Alfonso Cuarón. Okay, yeah. Um, you know how he uses that a lot in his movies, like the one shot thing, where it'll be like fifteen minutes one shot. Yes. Well, so that's a thing from the cinematographer. Um, yeah, it's called Emmanuel Lubezki. It's he's okay. also uh, Mexican. He he won the Oscar for like three years in a row for really Gravity, and then for Birdman, and then for uh, the Revenant. Revenant. Yeah. yeah, but it's, and I really appreciate that in movies when when it's done well. Um, but so God of War uh, uses that. So everything is just one one consistent shot. So when it transitions into cutscenes, you're still getting that same kind of behind the character shot, and it does kind of move around a little bit, but it's always consistent. They, they never there's no cuts so uh i just wanted to mention that as a as a thing you might find interesting to see i'd be curious if you played it how you would feel about uh how they use that and and how effective that is in in kind of uh fixing the gripe you have with with kind of the the transition to cutscene. yeah i'm interested in, in actually uh, getting a ps4 this year <laughs> cool yeah let me know if you do because there's there's lots of really interesting experiences on it atmosphere and, and being isolated and stuff like that what do you think about vr you know vr is an interesting one i have not taken the dive into vr yet only because of the price of it uh-huh to me i think it when it came out it was ridiculously priced speaking about the P- playstation one specifically yeah um it was i think 6.99 when it launched uh <laughs> which is crazy it is. a crazy price for something that had at the time i think it launched in in 2016 um had like maybe two games or like just a handful of games and so lately it's actually it's it's funny you bring that up because lately i've been kind of pondering with the idea of picking one up now that it's dropped in price significantly around christmas time i think they had one that was around 299 
and I was that was enough for me to maybe dive in and, and there's a handful of titles. The problem with VR to me, at least right now, the price, the lack of games, the lack of really big like like system seller type games, right? And uh, on top of that, the game I want to play the most isn't even for PSVR. <laughs> like I don't know if you've heard of Lone Echo. No. It looks so cool. It's for Oculus, and it's made by a developer, Ready at Dawn, who has before this, I think, been exclusive to Sony. So to me, like I, I tend to follow developers, and like in the same way, I'll follow like a director for like movies. Like, oh, I don't. This isn't really the the kind of game or movie that I really care about. But this director's last movie was amazing, so I'm going to take a chance on it. That's kind of yeah. It's kind of yeah, and. so yeah, this this game Lone Echo for some reason they they their next game's on Oculus and it's you play it as like a robotic android or something on a space station and you're like a companion to a human. So you're there I think to provide comfort and companionship for a human, which I thought was an interesting dynamic for the player. Mm-hmm. Um you you can check the trailer out. Uh I like it's it's what I want to play the most on VR, but and it just looks very immersive. And knowing that developer makes quality games, and it's been getting good reviews, but uh, it's just it's too damn expensive. Like I'm pretty sure Oculus is still like six ninety nine, something like that. <laughs> like I I just can't justify that for one game, you know? Like it's just one or two games kind of thing. And that's and also I feel like I've been burned a little bit with Sony before with their peripherals. Oh. Not to say not to say VR is more than a peripheral, but um, with the move controllers, I, I know those kind of seemed like a rip off of of the 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 nun or the Wii Wii motes, mm-hmm. and uh, but they came out with the the move controllers years ago, and they came out with like Sports Champions, which was basically Wii Sports their version of it and like i played it once and never played it again and then they came out with like two other like they came out with like a handful of things and then they would update existing games with move support and stuff like that and there just wasn't enough at for me to care about Mm -hmm. like i played a couple of things on it and then it just died and same thing i feel like with uh this is not a peripheral but the whole 3d thing that that you know 3d tvs and different things were pushing years ago and sony kind of was was pushing that as well and it just to me it seems like sony will take a chance on some of these not saying take a chance but just they'll get into these kind of side things whether it's vr or or move controllers or whatever it is and i don't feel like they support it enough to really warrant investing in it especially when it's something that's you know 700 bucks like yeah like i need i they need a big game to to get me to to pick up one of those you know i see what you mean so anyways i know i'm I'm rambling but i think vr is a really cool concept to kind of get back to your actual question but um i'm a little worried that having a screen that close to your eyes Uh i'm wondering what that like two screens yeah one for each eye (laughs) is it okay see i don't even know how i haven't even used one but uh, it might be one screen but basically what what they need to do to uh for depth 
perception is they have to show right. different pictures one to each right. time. Yeah. Right. I got gotcha. you. Um, but yeah, they like, I don't know. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, but as I'm getting older, I feel like I'm looking at way too many screens just in general. Do you, what, how do you feel about that? Just, well, it's, it's, it's not really how I feel. I mean, it's objectively true. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, yes. I mean, growing up, it's the TV. Or is it something? Is it something you've noticed or impacted you at all? I guess I, I should ask. Oh yeah, I mean, but I don't. I don't tend to to have this prejudice against it. Um, mm -hmm. Like for example, at work, I have two mm -hmm. screens, right? And then I have my mm -hmm. phone, and uh, I don't know. For a percentage of the time, I'm looking at the three of them, right? Because mm -hmm. like playing a game on my phone or looking at something about at, at my phone and then I have a couple of windows in one screen a couple of windows on the other screen and then I when I go home mm -hmm. I have the TV on I have my laptop and my phone so I mean yeah absolutely I'm having yeah I'm it's a lot a lot of screens all the time a lot of devices uh, mm -hmm. but uh, I also play a lot of volleyball and while I'm playing volleyball I'm not looking at a screen I I, yeah. I cook a lot and I'm not looking at screens I yeah for sure I take a lot of walks so uh, yeah it depends on on like I don't think it's bad per se what I think it's bad if it's your um your variety of activities Mm -hmm. So if you keep it varied, yeah, like uh, obviously if you're if you're sitting there watching screens nonstop and that's all you're doing, like it's probably not going to be a good thing. But I don't know. Over the over the past few years, I've kind of it's something that I've noticed more, a little bit of like eye strain and stuff mm -hmm. from you know the constant you know cell phone use, uh, handheld use, computer use, mm -hmm. you know playing playing games for however many hours at a time, and. I did pick up some gaming glasses, which I find help. Oh, I but, see. Uh, it, it, I, anyways, I, I've reduced the amount that I've looked at, that I look at screens, and because of that, I've actually started reading a lot more—just comics, graphic novels, and things like that. Yeah, on on printed it's, media. Yeah, it's it's become a much more. I used to just kind of read that stuff here and there, but it's it. I probably read things like that as much as I play games now. It's kind of just increased, and I think partially just organic interest and partially kind of me noticing, like, I'm looking at screens, like, a lot, and I don't know. I find on a day where, like, you've been looking at screens for, like, you know, 10, 12 hours, like, by the end of it, I'm, like, I can't even, like, look at, like, I'm just, like, all right, you know. I, I, and I guess that's a natural thing, but back to the point of VR, that was something that, Going into it, I was a little, I was like, I don't know if I want something where it's increasing how close screens are to my eyes. Now, I haven't used it, so maybe it's just me kind of a knee-jerk kind of uh, expectation, but um, I don't know. I, I'd be curious if that matters at all, mm -hmm. having having those screens so close to your eyes. And now I'm sure they've done a lot of testing and, and say that it's, you know, no different than sitting in front of a TV, but... But I, I'm just curious. That, and I, I think that's kind of something that's made me shy away from it a little bit as well. But I know I know you're probably asking the question about VR because I love immersion and I love kind of just getting really into a single player experience. And VR sounds great for that. Yeah, I would have thought that you would love to play like Resident Evil 7 on, on, VR, on a VR headset. Yeah. 
and I did love Resident Evil Seven. I just played it normal. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I mean? And turn then turn off the lights, uh, turn on some candles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, and then, so, and I think it got. I don't know if it had support for VR immediately, but if it did, I, I mean, obviously didn't have one. So I just played it normally, and then once I beat it. I felt like it, uh, like I wasn't dying to replay it. So there just wasn't a lot of reason for me to feel like I, I wanted to pick up a VR, even though I am interested in it. Um, but I did hear Resident Evil Seven is is one of the best experiences for VR. So it would definitely be one I'd play if I picked one up. finish with uh, a questionnaire that I made. It's based okay. on a interview show that I love. It's called Inside the Actor Studio. I don't know if, if you ever I think I've, seen I think this. I've heard of it, at least. So I would like to, to test it with you, see what happens. I think sure. it should be, should be fun. Okay. Um, so there's going to be questions. You can answer however you know, vaguely or precisely you want to. I don't, I don't really... It's very open-ended, so there's no, no correct questions or anything like that. So I'll okay. just start with an easy one. Which sure. is a game you love. A game I love. Uh, let's say something that I haven't said. Uh, I'll just say A Way Out because it's recent. Mm-hmm. If you've a heard way, of that. What platform is it for? Uh, I think it's for PS4 and, and Xbox, maybe PC as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's the game that came out a couple of months ago where its intention is split-screen co-op, like story-driven uh, kind of adventure adventure game game crime the story the it's a it's about uh two guys who break out of prison together right. and uh yeah, it's really it's really cool it's it, like a throwback kind of to couch co-op games uh-huh. and even if you play you can play it online but even if you play it online you have to play it split screen so you can like kind of what they play like as one player you're meant to see both players and take and take in the variety of kind of each character's interactions and stuff, but it's really cool. Cool. Uh, next question is mm-hmm. a game you hate. Ooh, can it be a love hate? Your answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give a love hate just because I don't know if a game has brought out so much like cursing and and volatile kind of whatever mm-hmm. from me. But Cuphead. Cuphead. Caveat: I I love it too. Sure. It's just. Yeah. Uh, what turns you on, yeah, games-wise? <laughs> um, uh, I would say anything. Yeah, I would honestly just say anything story-related, like mm-hmm. any anything that can make me care about what I'm about to dive into. Mm-hmm. Care, whether it's you know caring about the main character or side characters or what's going to happen in this world. Just I would say just story. A lot of a lot of my gaming experiences revolves around around story visuals too, visuals too for sure like art style. I definitely I definitely want to like if I look I want to 
see a screenshot and be like, oh, that looks amazing. Like, I want to play in that world kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, what turns you off? Uh, multiplayer. <laughs> competitive, multi- <laughs> competitive multiplayer. All right. I guess. And it's, and it's funny, just I won't go off on it too much of a tangent, but I played my first like multiplayer deathmatch death match sort of game last night for the first time in ever. Uh, Titanfall 2, have you heard of that? Yes. I'm playing through the campaign right now, and I'm not a big like first-person shooter guy, but it's a fantastic campaign, and it's the only reason I'm playing it. I haven't played the first one because the first one's multiplayer only, but the second one I heard the single player is amazing, and it's really fun. I'm about halfway through it right now. And I'll look at the trophy lists on PS4, if if a trophy list is like attainable, can I can I complete this list? And there's three. I, I really liked it because there's three trophies, multiplayer trophies. Nor, normally, I hate multiplayer trophies because I'm like, well, what about two years when you guys don't have the multiplayer anymore? Mm-hmm. And uh, but this one is only like join a multiplayer group, ch- change like your avatar or whatever, and then win a multiplayer match. So it motivated me enough to just go win. And I won my, the first multiplayer match I played. I was really surprised, but uh, sorry to go off on that tangent, but <laughs> ge- generally multiplayer competitive multiplayer isn't really something I, I that doesn't really do much for me. I see. Um, Although I will play, I love Mario Kart and, and things like that. So there are some exceptions. There are exceptions. <laughs> um, next question, a sound effect that you love. Ooh, uh, there's so many. Just the one. Uh, <laughs> the one. Uh, I'll just go with the easy one, the codec beeping and for Metal Gear. All right. A sound effect that you hate. Ooh, sound effect that I hate. I know in Cuphead when you die, there's a thing that they say. I can't remember what it is, which is surprising because I played the hell out of that game. But <laughs> I'll just say the sound effect in Cuphead when you die. Question number seven, uh, your favorite weapon or power-up? Favorite weapon or power-up? I'll go with Kratos' Blades of Chaos. All right. Next question, a game character that you would like to be? Game character that I would like to be? I'll go with, I I think the boy's nameless from the last guardian but i'll just go as the boy from the last guardian because Mm -hmm. it seems like so much fun like riding around on the on the back of that thing trico yeah trico a game character that you would not like to be Ooh, uh ooh. there's there's so many (laughs) um i'll go with how about james i think his name's james sunderland Mm -hmm. from silent hill 2 all right but really anybody from Silent Hill. Like that would suck to be anybody <laughs> in that in that world. But but speci- I named him specifically because there's a revelation at the end of Silent Hill 2 that is gut-wrenching. This is the last question. So imagine you could play any game, real or imaginary, right now. What game would that be? I'll just go with Lone Echo, what I mentioned earlier. It feels like it's unattainable for me you know what i kind of like about it is this stupid game lone echo that i really want to friggin play for oculus it makes me feel like a kid again when a console was unattainable do you know what i mean yeah like completely yeah i can remember when i was like 11 and i wanted a ps2 so bad and they were like 500 bucks and i was just like there's i'm not gonna get like i want it so bad but i so yeah i'll just go with lone echo because it, it 
kind of feels that way. Feels unattainable to me. But really, I could play it if I wanted to. I could just go buy one, but I can't justify it. Yeah. Lone Echo. Perfect. <laughs> Thank cool. you so much. Happy to be here. Talking Thanks for having me. Again. I'd like to do it again. Sure. Let's do it again. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been great. No problem. Awesome. And that is it for this episode of Bonus Bonus Barrel. Next week on the main show, we'll have our fourth annual E3 prediction special. Thanks for listening. 